David Freeze showed up at spring training and said, in so many words, that the Pirates organization doesn't really want to win. Then Josh Harrison showed up and said basically the same thing. This is being treated as revelatory. It is quite the opposite because it is not at all significant. No matter what is said by anybody, the Pirates' method and priorities will not change. It's profit first, profit uber alles. So why does it matter, even a little bit, what Freeze and Harrison say? The owner, Bob Nutting, he's not going to say it now. Oh no, Freeze and Harrison figured it out. Now we got to add payroll. So we can discuss what Freeze and Harrison said, but it's just talk about talk. It changes absolutely nothing. The B team is blowing it up, but nothing said matters one bit. Not one little bit. They're going to lose between 85 and 90 games. Attendance is going to drop at PNC by about 100K. Because most people who were going to stop going have already stopped going. And that's Pirate Baseball. Congratulations to Freeze and Harrison, Captain and Lieutenant Obvious. But their words won't change anything. And I don't see what they said as brave because the team met with nothing today and no player had even one question to ask. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. So Free said what he said. And Harrison said what he said. And then the general manager says, Huntington, he says, we made the moves we made to try to win the World Series. Unquote. Look, frig off with that kind of talk. Don't urinate down my leg and tell me it's raining. You made those moves to cut payroll by $20 million, And that's the only reason you made those moves. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I guess we could make this a segment of cliched Penguin trade deadline talk. Which asset do you think the Penguins would be most likely to trade, would be least likely to trade, and of all the names discussed, who is most likely to come in? Not who do you want to see come in. I think, like JB said, uh, that guy's Brassard. And if they're determined to get rid of him, don't forget he has a year left on his deal. But if they don't get the right deal, maybe they'll settle for any deal to get something. But considering he's a year left on his contract, I don't think it'll work out that way. Uh, Ottawa reportedly wants a number one pick, a top prospect, and another component in exchange for Broussard. I don't think the Penguins will or should give that up. Let's go to Kenny in Turtle Creek. Kenny held on. Kenny, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. I know you probably couldn't care less, but I placed you a phone call in December, and I said the Penguins were going to go on a run when they were struggling. Yeah, I'm pretty sure and I said that when they were struggling, too. You eviscerated me. I remember no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Goodbye. I'll just ignore you now. If you would have caught up and said the Penguins are going to go on a run in December, I would hardly have eviscerated you. Plus, which one thing the callers need to understand, especially you, Kenny, the dolt who just called, 
What you say doesn't matter. It's like passing gas in the wind. You're all props. I'm the master. I use you as I see fit and get great gain from it. While you get nothing except a brush with greatness. Which is valued, I guess. Let's go to Jeremy and Baldwin. Jeremy, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, I disagree about your comments about Josh Sheridan and David Freeze not stepping up the nutting. I just think that they already know about the con and there's no point in doing anything about it. Well, if they already know about the con and there's no point doing anything about it, why did they address it when they spoke to the media but not the nutting? Well, that's true, but it's kind of like how you don't say anything to Debo's face. I mean, you're too scared of him. Oh, I'd kick his ass and then kick your ass. Still there? Hello? I'd kick his ass, then I'd kick your ass. Why do I have to say stuff to Debo? And by the way, you don't know him. He's not your buddy. He would hate you if he met you. Don't call him Debo like he's your buddy. You know, people always say, well, you don't talk to these guys face-to-face, nor do they to me. And what difference does that make anyway? Why would that change my opinion? You think I'm scared of anybody? You think I can run my mouth like I have for 22 glorious years of radio and be scared of anybody? James Harrison could kiss my ass in hell. And in 10 years, I'll have more money than him. Let's go to Josh and Wexford. Josh, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I was just calling, uh, wondering what you were thinking about possibly trading for Sam Gagne out of Vancouver. Nah, not interested. Where would he help? He's only making 2.1. He'd be a good third-line fit. Uh, A third-line center? Yes. Is he primarily a center or is he primarily a wing? Uh, he can play both. Yeah, those guys who can play both generally <laughs> are better at playing wing. Uh, he's listed as a center at hockey reference. No, I don't think – bro, he's seven goals, 15 assists at 52 games. That's not even as good as Shane. Uh, in fact, I'll make the argument easy. Who do you think is a better player right now, Riley Shane or Sam Gagne? Uh, right at this second, Shane, but Sam Gagne has got better no- numbers over the course of his career. Yeah, he had 18 goals last year, eight goals the year before that. I'm going to take a pass on Sam Gagne. At $2.1 million, they could get uh, Grabner, who only makes $1.6, and he's a wing, but it helped more than Sam. Sam Gagne, I just... I've never liked him that much as a player. Felt he was mostly an underachiever, not a big guy, 5'11", 200. Uh, has never scored 20 goals. Did you know that? Never scored 20 goals in his career. So, yeah, again, thank you for the – I know, you think he's great. Why don't you go get a team and then you trade for Sam Gagne? What do you think? Still there? No? Yeah, I think Sam Gagne's okay. But we're looking for better than okay. We're looking for – Upgrades. I don't see him as a big upgrade. And maybe not as an upgrade at all. Hey, I got to tell you about this video I posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com today. I talked about this briefly last week. YouTube is has an original series coming out. And, and no, I didn't know YouTube had original series either. But it's called Cobra Kai. It's a sequel to the Karate Kid movie franchise. It sounds like I'm kidding, right? I'm not. Ralph Macchio's in it, so his career has gone straight into the toilet. 
He's back as lead babyface Daniel LaRusso. And William Zabka is Johnny Lawrence. The guy lost to Danielson in the final of the All-Valley Karate Championships. Johnny reopens the Cobra Kai Dojo and reminds us that mercy is for the weak. We do not teach mercy in this dojo. I think Danielson's finally in trouble because Miyagi's dead, Pat Morita. Sensei Kreese, Terry Silver, Karate Bad Boy Mike Barnes, all not dead. Could be a four-on-one. Maybe worse if they could find Dutch. No more Miyagi to bail you out, Danielson. I think the time has come for the reckoning. 412-333-9939, the bottom of the hour. We got Phil Bork, two-time Stanley Cup champ. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark. Great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. We got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. That'll be interesting. A lot's going on with the Penguins right now. They're playing excellent hockey. They're 14-6-1 since the beginning of the new year. Gino has 19 goals in 19 games. They just look so good right now. Uh, better than the scoreline. Won five in a row. Really took it to Columbus last night. The game was never in doubt. Guys like Shane scoring twice. Dumoulin scoring. Gensel with his fourth goal in seven games. The Penguins not only getting ample supply of goals, but the right guys are scoring. You need some other guys to pop up. As I said earlier, you need... Somebody to come out of nowhere. That wild card, that surprise guy in the playoffs, like Benino in 16 and Gensel in 17. Who will that be this year? Well, let's line up the options, get a bunch of guys going now, maybe Zach Aston Reese, and see who can get it done uh, by the time the games start this spring. The real games, the real season starts for these Penguins in the spring. Uh, we keep talking about trades. I think a trade for a upgraded third-line center is going to be tough to make, which is why it was so wise by Rutherford to trade for Shane uh, back early in the season. Still looking for a better center than that, but at least having something better than what they had. I mean, come on. Uh, I forget that one Jamoke's name. They tried a third-line center for a while. Could skate, otherwise terrible. Rowney got too many minutes, although that's the big debate on Twitter right now. Is will Rowney keep a jersey if they trade for a third-line center or a fourth-line center, whether they bring Matt Cullen back, somebody of that ilk? That's still being talked about, although I hear Minnesota being still in the race is backing away from that uh, because Cullen's played pretty good lately and in fact currently is on the Wild's third line and not their fourth. But uh, I think Ronnie's going to stay in the lineup no matter what because he's a right-handed face-off guy. As Bomboli said, he's won 20 of his last 25 shorthanded draws. He was 5-for-5 five five on draws last night, and they want that right-handed face-off option in the lineup. That could be bad news for Ryan Reeves. I were to call him about how well he's done and he's fulfilled expectations. 
uh, that column appeared in the Trib yesterday. You can still read it at TribLive.com. But uh, I could see Ronnie moving to right wing on the fourth line if the Penguins get another center to keep his right-handed face-off ability and his penalty killing in the lineup. In fact, that that's guaranteed. They're not going to play Reeves ahead of Rowney because Reeves uh, offers some muscle. And I like you know how he's played again. He's lived up to expectations. But the speciality stuff, uh, the face-off, specifically right-handed face-off, the penalty killing, that is going to keep Ronnie in the lineup. Oh, the guy I was referring to, the Jamoke, who played a regular shift in, my God, 26 games, Greg McKaig. Thank heaven that he's no longer in the picture. Great guy, although I'm sure he is. Let's go to Mark in Illinois. Mark, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good afternoon, Mr. Madden. Good afternoon. Do you think it could be detrimental to uh, the Penguins re-signing Hornquist if Zach Ashton Reese keeps on playing the, at the pace that he's doing? Why would right that be now? detrimental? You, you can use more than one uh, physical net front presence. Why would that uh, be a detriment to re-signing Hornquist? Well, it could be detrimental to uh, the fact of the Pens are so close to being up against the salary cap every year. You have a guy like Ashton well, well, let me let me, let me let me cut cut to the chase. They're not going to keep Hornquist. Hornquist okay. is so close to free agency. He's going to get a year or two too much. He's going to get a million or a million and a half too much. Why would he walk away from that now? If the Penguins are going to resign him, I think it had to be done uh, way before right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And that's that's not to say Aston Reese can step right in and do what Hornquist does. But the Penguins have always thought Reese was the guy who would be the next Hornquist. I'm sure they like having both in the lineup now, would like having both in the lineup for the next couple of years. More than one physical presence. I mean, look at right now. Reese has picked up on the power play where Hornquist has left off. He's done a decent job being a line mate for Sid, although I still think, finally, you got to put Gensel back with Sid. I know you want to balance the lines, but Sid does not have enough to work with. The fact that he's up at the amount of points he's got is incredible. Now, Gino doesn't have any more to work with. He's got Rust and Haglund currently, but Gino has just gone on a tear where he's creating his own shot and finishing chances like crazy. Up next, he's got two Stanley Cup rings. You hear him on Penguins Radio Broadcast. He's the old 2-9er, Phil Bork, just around the corner on 105.9. It's Abby on the X at 105.9. Most music in the morning. Weekday morning, 6 till 10. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Bubble M, huge fan, buddy. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. Still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. You hear him and love him on Penguins Radio Broadcasts. He is color analyst, the old two-diner, Phil Bork. Uh, Borky, what's enabled the Penguins to find their form lately? Uh, was it just inevitable, maybe? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say it, it was inevitable because of the talent that was there. I mean, that'd be the, uh, the obvious, easy answer, but it's a lot more than that, Mark. I think it's, again, another wave of young players coming in, whether it's Tristan Jarry or Zach Aston-Reese or Dominic Simone or... 
JSD and the, the players that have come up, they've been good and they've contributed. They haven't just been a warm body filling a black and gold jersey. I think the star players for the Penguins, Sid, Geno, Phil, Latang, Murray, uh, they have all gone to another level collectively. It's it's not like earlier in the season when you had maybe Sid have a great game and then three games later was Gino with a great game and then three games later was Phil with a great game. I think they've collectively, since the calendar turned, game in and game out have been dominant. I think the second and third tier scoring have all chipped in. I think the Penguins are special teams have been off the charts good. And I think they have the best coach in the league. Let's stay with Zach Aston Reese for a second. Got another goal last night. That's four and eight games. Can he earn a permanent job here? He certainly looked the part so far. If he's not careful, he's going to. That's the way he's playing right now. He's playing uh, in a way at sending a, a message to the coaching staff. No, no, no. Grab somebody else. You want to take somebody else out of the lineup or you want to send somebody else down to Wilkesbury because I'm here to stay. Uh, and that's the way you want it. You want a player to be on a roll down to Wilkesbury and then carry that play up to the NHL level. And I get you're going to be a little starstruck first couple times playing with Sid or Gino and, and also being in the NHL for the first time. But uh, like Russ, like Sherry, like Gensel, they quickly get over that and say, wow, what an opportunity I have here. Uh, I'm going to be given an opportunity to play uh, in a position where I can succeed. And I, I like that Sully does that. And even if you make a little bit of a mistake, he'll get you right back out there again in a position to succeed. And um, Zach Aston Reese seems to be that type of player that likes playing with skilled players, has a nose for the net, just has a knack of where to go. Uh, he's not the fastest, he's not the strongest, doesn't have the best shot, but you can say that about Patrick Hornquist too, because uh, they're very comparable players. And he just has a way to find that seam and to, and to anticipate where pucks are going to be when they're down around the goaltender. You'd think that'd be an easy thing to do in the NHL, but there really isn't a whole lot of players that can do it on a consistent basis. Uh, Riley Shane got a couple goals last night. What are the pros and the cons of him being the third-line center come playoff time? Can he do it, and can he help Kessel produce five-on-five? Because, to me, that's the biggest question. I think he can if he keeps playing the way he is playing. And he played this way in Detroit. He just didn't play this way in Detroit last year. And that was a struggle for him and their whole team. But, he, again, he might be one of those players that plays better with better players and, and has a meaning and has a purpose. Uh, and I think uh, he has quickly gotten over the shock of being traded for the very first time. That's never easy the first time it happens. Uh, and uh, he has found his role, found his niche, and most importantly, he's found his confidence. And I think uh, the coaching staff has done a good job of, of not being frustrated with uh, Riley when he went quite a while without tickling the twine when he first got here, is they continue to to uh, help him along, and, and now you're, you're bearing that fruit. Uh, he's a skilled player. He's got a hell of a shot when he, when he decides to rip it, uh, and uh, he's good at deflecting pucks, as we w- witnessed last night, and there's no reason why he can't be in that third-line role. I mean, what are we really trying to get here? I mean, what are you really trying to uh, – if you replace him with who, you know, you're not going to go get this guy that scores 30 goals – uh, as a third-line center, they just uh, those guys are not out there, and nor would they fit under our cap. So let's maybe embrace what we have instead of you know dwelling on what we don't have. When I think about potential line configurations, uh, Borky, I think the Kessel would produce more skating with Malkin, but would Malkin score fewer goals playing with Kessel? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure Shane's going to help Kessel produce enough five-on-five, but boy, I've never liked Geno more than I do right now with him looking to create his own shot and 
19 goals in 19 games certainly doesn't lie. Amen to that. And uh, he's not getting just, he's not, you know, filling that on the power play. These are five on five goals the Penguins have got um, in 2018, a whole bunch of them. And that was something they were struggling at. The power play really kept them afloat. Uh, and as far as Gino, you're right. When he's playing with Hagelin, playing with Russ, those are straight line players. And those are not uh, overly gifted offensive players. I think it's safe to say that. They both have a, a, a touch and they can score goals. But I think it forces Gino. If the player's there and the player's a shot, it's forcing him to shoot the puck. And you're right, if there's any fault between uh, excuse me, Gino and Phil is that they maybe look for each other too much, and they overpass at times, and they're guilty of that on the power play now and again. It's getting fewer and fewer as we move forward. But the one thing is, we, I don't think we can ever get set on, okay, when we go into the playoffs, we got this line, this line, this line. Maybe we had the HBK that you stuck with two years ago, but... I think these players and Sully are comfortable at kind of shuffling the deck as they go. Who's going on certain nights? Who's not going on certain nights? And you get elevated uh, to the penthouse and maybe demoted down to a fourth-line role. I don't think the players are, are really bothered by it, Mark. And I think we should, as fans and as, as media, we should kind of accept that, that there might not be set lines moving forward here. We're talking to Phil Bork. He's brought to you by Coors Light here on 105.90X. Uh, where does Brian Russ play when everybody's healthy? I know for sure he should play, but where, what line, and what side? I I would put him, I would leave him with Gino. I would leave him with Gino. I would, I would put Horny up with Sid when he comes back, and, uh, and you know, then Connor Sheary's going to have to find a spot somewhere. Yeah, but Horny uh, and Aston Reese both with Sid, that might be two of the same kind of player uh, playing with Crosby. I'm not sure that maybe works. Maybe it's a good thing. Hey, listen, Sid had some of his best numbers playing with Colby Armstrong and Andy Hilbert. Okay, so maybe maybe those are the kind, and those are straight-line guys. Those are guys that are good at give-and-goes, good at going to the net, uh, and they're, are pretty smart hockey players. I, I, I don't think I'd knock it until I tried it, Mark. Uh, what about Sherry? You just mentioned his name. He could find himself as odd man out when everything coalesces, couldn't he? He could. Yeah, absolutely he could. I mean... I, I love his work ethic. I'm, I'm a big Connor Sherry fan, but it, it's almost like his piece of the puzzle keeps moving around the board uh, on where he does fit. And uh, I think for, for Connor, I think he just wants to get till Monday at 3.01 in the afternoon Eastern time. I, I think that the whispers and, the, and the, the rumors that have been going around about him possibly being on the move, I think it's kind of bothering him a little bit. But in the meantime, I think he just has to embrace whatever role Mike Sullivan puts him in. I think that him and Sully have an understanding that when he's really going, he's going to get ice time. He's probably going to be on a second power play unit, and he might be with up there with Sid, uh, depending on how things are going. But in the meantime, I think he should just be embraced on uh, being a unique player, a versatile player on a really good team that, um, you know, he seems to have a knack of, of scoring big goals in big situations when we get down to the short strokes here, Mark. Yeah, I agree. My only problem with Connor has ever been – when he doesn't score, he doesn't help all that much. He's versatile, can play either wing, move up and down the lineup, but he needs to get points. He does need to get points, yeah. But I, I still think that he plays a role. I mean, his speed is, is something. And I know he's a, a smaller player, and, um, and he doesn't you know, lay out a lot of hits. But I don't know, Mark. I think, just think he has an intangible. Um, just a, 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 he does have a role in this hockey team. And even, when, team. and even when you throw him on a fourth line, 
I think that he adds speed to that line because, you know, that the days of the fourth line of each guy, 6'4", 225 plus, they're long gone. I don't think it's that big of a problem to throw a guy like Connor Sherry on the fourth line just to bring a little bit of scoring, a little bit of balance, and a little bit of speed. We hear all kinds of trade talk, and certainly uh, that's the business I've chosen, Borky. It's going to be a, a main uh, point of discussion on this program till till Monday afternoon. Which name do you hear the most connected with the Penguins? Because as much as the perceived need is for center, I keep hearing Michael Grabner's name from the Rangers, and boy, I'll tell you what, he'd be a great fit. He would be, and his number would fit. And, uh, you know, he's a versatile guy, too. I think he can play both wings. Obviously, his penalty killing is off the charts good. Uh, I don't think he can play center, uh, but that's okay. If you can get a Michael Grabner without having to give up the farm, I think you absolutely would. I'll throw some other names out there, and some of them are obvious to you. Maybe one isn't uh, that maybe will will get you scratching your head until Monday. Obviously, Matt Cullen, uh, but Minnesota, where they are right now, right in the uh, the fight for a wild card, uh, I, they'll probably end up hanging on to Cullen. Yeah, they, they don't want to trade guys and then miss the playoffs by one or two points. That would open themselves right. up to a lot of criticism. Right. So let's let's just move on from Matt Cullen because that's the obvious one. But Mark Letestu, you and I have talked about Mark Letestu on his, uh, his number which fit as far as salary, his versatility, a right-hand shot, really good on face-offs, really good on penalty kill. Actually plays a little power play for the Edmonton Oilers. Can play the point on the power play, and uh, he wears a letter as an assistant captain. That's a key guy. Let me throw one guy out there also, Max Domi. Yeah, funny you mentioned that. I, I've heard that whisper because he's not having a great season in Arizona. And, and I know there are those who think he would benefit most from a change of scenery. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that, you know, the frustration there, I think he's one of those guys also. He's a highly skilled player. Great speed, versatility, can play both the wing and center. Uh, and he, I think he kind of knows uh, Soissons-Cis a little bit. In fact, uh, I'm not 100% sure about this, but Mario might actually be his godfather because you know Mario and Ty, Max's dad, are, are very, very tight. Uh, can you imagine how excited he would be to come here. I don't know what it would take to get him. Um, you know, Auntie Ranta is another player that maybe they would package up to come here. A pretty good goaltender if you if you are looking for that backup guy, even though I thought Tristan Jari was off the charts good. I'm just kind of spitballing along with you. Well, or if they wanted Tristan Jari. Say it again? Or if Phoenix wanted Tristan Jari. You don't know. I mean, they're, they're definitely looking for a young goaltender, and Tristan Jari is as good as it gets. Listen, I want to hang. I, I love Tristan Jari. I want to hang on to him. But if we're going to start speculating and kind of spitballing and throwing names out there for the sake of uh, moving your show along and keeping the numbers <laughs> as high as they are, you know, well, I, that's that's, that's, that's the primary concern. And, and Max Domi's intrigued because he's having a disastrous season, no question. Four goals and twenty-two assists. He's a winger, not a center, but he plays like the Penguins like their wingers to play, and he's got tremendous pedigree. No, but he can play center, and that's the key. I know he's a winger, but he can play center. Uh, and, and you're right that uh, he plays exactly the way the Penguins play. And I just, I'm just thinking, he spent some time here in the summer. I know he works, up, he works out at the uh, facility up there at the UPMC Lemieux Center up in Cranberry. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he has some connections here. I just think he would be frothing at the mouth for the opportunity to wear the black and gold. Now, the Penguins beat Columbus pretty handily last night. Are the Blue Jackets in trouble? That game wasn't easy for the Penguins last night, but it wasn't real hard either. No, that that team, 
seems like a team in disarray. And it almost seems like at times they win, uh, not necessarily because of their head coach, almost in spite of John Tortorella at times. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what kind of love fest is going on there between player and coach, but if you want to get deep into the playoffs, I think you need a coach that can get you to motivate you to go through a brick wall. With that being said, you know, I, I feel like the Penguins kind of have his number, and I'm talking about Bob. I mean, it, his numbers last year in that five-game series were not good. He was he was up over three-and-a-half on the goals against. He was down around 880 in the save percentage, and I think those around his numbers now lifetime. And you remember how good he was early on when he was a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, things have changed since he's gone to the red, white, and blue of the Blue Jackets. Uh, the, the Penguins have had his number. And, and when you have a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets that are, are not full of a lot of confidence, as matters where they are uh, as a hockey club and, and identifying themselves. When you have a goaltender letting in some leaky goals as Bob did last night, that does not help the cause at all. I, I'm not impressed with their their defense as an overall. Listen, Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones are, are off the, the charts good, but you can't play those guys 40 minutes a night. After that, I see a drop-off, and when they play fast teams that they can't get physical against and they can't catch, I see that's where Columbus has troubles. And finally, Borky, who's going to make the playoffs out of the Metro? Let's assume that both uh, Eastern Conference wildcards come out of the Metro, which, you know, glancing at the standings seems very likely. What five teams will make it? Uh, two wildcards, five teams total. Yeah, well, I think you have to say, you know, obviously, the Caps and the Penguins are right there. Um, the way that the Philadelphia Flyers are playing, you feel like they could get in, but now all of a sudden they've lost their top two goaltenders. So I, I think they're going to fall. I think Carolina's going to get in. And I think the Rangers will get in. I do. I think you the really Rangers think the Rangers are going to rally? Boy, they're, they seem buried I right do. now, Borky. I say, I say Columbus. Are you talking about the five teams in Metro I think will get in? Right, Washington, Washington Pittsburgh, obviously. Washington, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Columbus. And uh, no, I'm going to say Carolina. I'm going to say Carolina's going to get in. No Flyers. Pardon me? No Flyers. And no Flyers. No Islanders. And no Islanders. Wow. Gutsy picks, Borky. We'll see how it plays out. I got to tell you, I think the Islanders are going to make a huge impact in the trade market because I think they think to keep Tavares from leaving via free agency, they have to make the playoffs. Well, yeah, I just... Man, the way this is playing out, everybody thinks it's going to play out the way that it did with Steven Stamkos, where he's just holding his cards against his chest, and then, you know, all of a sudden he's going to go, "Okay, let's sign." I don't, I don't see a reason for John Tavares to stay there. I don't. I, I, I appreciate loyalty and all that. That's great, but here's a guy that's really competitive, really wants to win. I just don't see that team. Never mind. I don't really see him making the playoffs. If they do, I don't see them going past the first round. They still got to wait three years before they're in their new building. Boy, that's going to be really interesting, and that's soap opera. Oh, soap opera in the way it plays out with Johnny Tavares. Borky, great stuff. Thank you for joining me. Double M, my pleasure. And like always, this was good hockey talk. That's Phil Bork. Brought to you by Coors Light. A stop at the North Park Clubhouse in Gibsonia, and get Coors Light drafts every Friday for just three and a quarter and try their famous giant fish sandwich during Lent. So Coors Light, thank you. Also brought to you by Armstrong, One Wire Infinite Possibilities. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Bob Hope. Uh, this is. How you doing? Oh, boy, hey, uh, you know what? Why? Call back when you're coherent. 
the X at 105.9. Thanks to Phil Bork for joining me. Islanders lost today already, by the way, uh, a 5-3 decision at home in Brooklyn against Minnesota on President's Day. Uh, Capitals and Sabres are playing. That's nil-nil at the end of two. Uh, Capitals, of course, trailing Pittsburgh now by one point at the summit of the Metro Division, but the Capitals are three games in hand, and this is one of them. Uh, Penguins are playing extremely well. They've won five in a row. They've won 16 out of 21 since the new year. They're in first place. They really did handily thump Columbus in Ohio last night. The Penguins just might be the best team in hockey again. And boy, it should make some of you feel foolish because earlier in the season, you were blaming Rutherford, saying he had a bad offseason. You demanded a big trade. Chris Letang was your favorite target. Get rid of that guy. We won without him, yada, yada. I'll tell you, I treasure the times when the Penguins slump and when they appear to be in trouble to the uneducated eye because that's when the hockey fan of Pittsburgh exposes himself as knowing very little. This team was never in trouble. It was fatigued. It needed a little patience. It needed to regroup at some point. But it certainly didn't need a big trade, didn't need blown up, and now it needs very little. Although, I I think there's a deal out there somewhere that could help the team. But it's not a deal for Derek Broussard. He would cost too much. It's not a deal for a nailed-on, big upgrade at third-line center. That, in general, be it Broussard or whoever, would cost too much. If you can get Grabner... The Rangers winger, at a relatively cheap price, that would be a guy I'd love to see the Penguins get. Can you imagine the four-check with Grabner and Haglin and Rust? Wow. Just incredible. You talk about dividing your scoring threats up among your top three lines. Divide those four-checking threats up among three lines, and your four-check will be really something special, plus which... Grabner's good on the PK, and unlike any Penguin, he hits empty nets. He has 23 goals this year. Six of them are in the empty net, but the Penguins could use a guy to occasionally hit that empty net. I spoke with Mario uh, Saturday night about the possibility of coming out of retirement not to play the power play, as I have mooted so many times in the past, but to hit the empty net. Next thing you know, I got Mario talking about his 600th goal, which was into an empty net. And he remembered. It's amazing how the guy remembers stuff with such detail from back when. Mario remembered that the defenseman for Vancouver didn't realize the goalie was out. So Mario's coming down the wing and the guy's backing up, skating backwards, which made it all the more easier for Mario to deposit the puck, as he always did given chance, right in the center of that empty net. So, obviously, I'd love to see Pittsburgh get Broussard. I don't think it's going to happen. Grabner seems a possibility. The most realistic name I've heard discussed. 
Borky opened up a whole new kettle of fish with Max Domi of Arizona being mooted, who's having a disastrous season, but he's a former first-round pick, has pedigree. I think on a good team, he would blossom. So if the price was right, that's something to look into. Although, again, he is a winger. Could play center, but I don't want a guy who could play center. If you're going to upgrade at center, then go get a center. You want to play Domi or Grabner at wing? Okay, do that, but don't switch a guy to his second-best position, uh, namely center in this case, and feel like you've solved the problem because probably you will not have. Uh, Canadian media is bringing up Peconic from Montreal. I don't see it. I don't like it. I don't see or like Latestu. I don't see or like Pajot. Those are a lot of the options, the rumors about who may or may not come into Pittsburgh. Uh, one guy the Penguins really owe a debt of gratitude to, ironically, is Ian Cole. Because he's gotten back in the lineup the past how many weeks and totally stabilized the back line and given them a real good bottom pair with him and Alexiak. Hunwick played the last two games. He was okay yesterday. He was a disaster, a ticking time bomb on Saturday. Uh, I hear they're trying to trade Hunwick. That would depend on the return, and I know opening up some cap space by ditching him is uh, the goal, but I really like the top six defensemen right now. And if I had Hunwick as my number seven on the left side and Ruedel as my number seven on the right side, I'd feel perfectly content with that defense core entering the postseason. I was surprised Saturday that they played Ruedel, for that matter yesterday too, that they played uh, Hunwick and moved him to the right side where he has played but can't play as opposed to using Ruedel, who is right-handed and plays the right side. Let's go to Bill. Bill in the truck. You're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good, Bill. Hey, I was just curious. I, I love your idea about the acquisition of uh, Mikhail Grabner. I think he would be wonderful here. Uh, but I was curious. I was wanting your opinion on what the, what kind of package would the Penguins have to give up to acquire a guy like Max Domi? That's a good question because he's very young, former first-round pick, having a disastrous season. i got a feeling Arizona would probably want too much, don't you? I would think so, yes. You know, that's the thing. That's my one hesitation about bringing in Max Domi, who I think is a hell of a player, hell of a kid. But you want to bring in a guy whose season is, is falling apart. Same with Plakonich, just five goals in Montreal. Now, a change of scenery. Playing with a better team can certainly upgrade the way those guys produce. I don't know if I'd want to take that risk. And let me ask you, Bill, given choice between Domi or Grabner, who would you rather have? Grabner, unquestionably. Yeah, I mean, Domi for the long run, but Grabner for sure for the short run. 412-333-9939. This segment brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. we got Ken from Bethel Park on hold. And in just a moment, when I come back, if I can find my notes, somebody's going to make... My notes are really disorganized here. Maybe I forgot to do the list. Anyway, just stay tuned. 105.90X.